Welcome to Your Business Greatness. I am your host, Simone Sloan, the Executive Strategist. And really, our mission here is to educate business owners, professionals, the community at large. I'd like to welcome you, Adrian Miller, to the Your Business Greatness podcast. And I'm very excited to have you because you come with a wealth of information. You've seen the good, the bad, and the indifferent, and you have <laughs> weathered all those storms. And when you talk about being a president and founder of Adrian Miller Sales Training, Consulting, and Organizations, as well as launching your business and being launched for 30 years, and not many business owners can say that, right? So you come with a wealth of experience that I know that we're going to really enjoy listening to and, and learning from. So if you don't mind, you know, just share with us a little bit about your experience and your journey to get to where you are, because I know there are lots of good things in that journey. Long journey. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes when people are talking to me and they say that 30 years, I kind of (laughs) like talking about. Yeah. And because I never thought it was I never thought it was going to be a career. I thought Mm -hmm. it was a stopgap along the way before I would go back and take another job. And it was, I mean, I really, I was like, I didn't set up anything. I got a little bit of letterhead and stuff like that. It was very casual. And now I tell people, yeah, I have your business plan and marketing (laughs) plan. I had no plan, but I'm a salesperson. So what did I have first and foremost? Clients, Mm -hmm. because everybody who starts a business and they spend an inordinate amount of time on all these, pl- I mean, unless you're going out for venture capital to a bank, you obviously need all or venture capital or a bank and you need that plan. But people who go and they set up the, all these, get a new bank, get a CPA, get a lawyer and do all this stuff and everything's in place, but there are many clients. Mm. Now, I'd rather have clients first, and then I can scramble and get all that stuff together. So the first thing I had were two enormous clients. Amazing. How did I have them? I had them because I knew people who worked there, and I kind of called and said, is there anything you can use me for? (laughs) (laughs) This is the scope of what I do. And the answer happened to be yes. And hence, that was two clients. And then I just figured out how I was going to be rolling along. And within the first year, I hired someone to do business development for me part-time. Because here's what I discovered and what everybody who's thinking about or starting up a business. If you're the only person and you're doing the work, okay, in my case, I'm going and on site to do training programs. I'm writing sales procedures and reports and it's labor intensive and it's time intensive. How can you keep your business development activities going along at the same time? It's impossible to do. And one thing you can never stop doing is business development. Your sales pipeline has to be robust. It can't have one scrawny possibility floating <laughs> along there because, and let, well, maybe you're lucky and you'll close that one, but everybody knows that their close rate isn't 100%. It's a game. And you have to have 
things at all times falling through your sales funnel. So if you're busy at a client and you find yourself there four days a week working on their project, there's no time to do that. And remember this, oh God, you're sitting here with a dinosaur. So I predate all of the stuff that enabled us to do our outreach at odd hours. There was no social media. Little Marky was barely, I don't think he was born then. And, um, you know, and you think about all the things that you, you had to do manually. Totally. How I mean, you spend all that time? I don't know. So now people ask me where my office is and I hold up my phone. I point to my brain and I go, so wherever my phone is and my brain is my office at that moment. But back then that wasn't the case. So a lot of that business development, you didn't sit down at night and able to do all sorts of stuff and go on LinkedIn and try to connect and have a conversation. It didn't happen. So that's why I brought in a part-time business developer because they were able to help me have the bandwidth to do it. And and that was a really smart decision on on my part. Yeah. What I hear too is that the first thing you did was you leveraged your network. You're like, you know what? <laughs> I got to get resources well, we here. It that. I, before I even knew that word, yeah. before network was something like maybe technology people or engineers knew about. But yes, I at that point, I called them my friends. <laughs> and I picked up a rotary. No, I picked up a phone, a phone <laughs> called them up and said, hey, this is what I'm doing now. And then it just continued yeah. to forward. But also another thing that I like too, that you did is that you realized you can't do it all and you need help. No. And you, you immediately can't. got the value of having another you person. Can't. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a certified, <laughs> can't say a workaholic. I work hard, but I'm very productive. And I, I have that terrible problem. It really is a problem that I know I should delegate more, but I don't. It's easier for me. I just get online and do it and all the rest of that stuff. But you really can't do it all. So there are very clear the things that I absolutely cannot do. I have those resources to do. I knew that back then almost instinctively. Right. I had not walked down this entrepreneurial path before. I worked in a company. Mm-hmm. And so it just, and there were no uh, ebooks and Audible and everything else to the, the entrepreneurial journey and all that kind of stuff did not exist. And so instinctively, I just knew that. You know? uh, yeah. So it worked. That, that seems to be well. But you also, too, interesting enough, you call yourself a business growth architect. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So number one, you should know my husband, who is a real architect, gets pissed off at that. <laughs> Just want to let lay that right out. He will not hear this podcast. Uh, <laughs> architects, they build buildings, Adrian. Please do not do this. But I really think of myself because business growth and sales is, is built on a foundation. If you build a building without a foundation, it will crumple. If you try to sell and develop a company without fundamentals and foundations, you are going to not be as successful as you should be. So I had sales trainer there. I had a sales consultant there. And then I was just thinking about what I really do, especially now that I have the multiple businesses, all of them 
feed into that so nicely that I'm comfortable with it and hence it stayed in my signature line. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. powerful because it's and very visual. Because you when, yeah. I, when I hear that, I'm like, I know exactly why I want to come yeah. to you because I want you to help me build and grow. Yeah. And the only people who get annoyed are those real artists <laughs> who went to a school for a long time. A long time. time. <laughs> to do that. Got it. Right. So then you, during the career, you ended up writing a book, two books, actually, The Blatant Truth, 50 Ways to Sales Success, and uh, another blatant truth around customer service, how not to screw up the customer service. Right. What did you see with your clients that you propelled you to want to share your knowledge and write these books? So the books came about, one, because I kept having, and the, the blatant truth, 50 ways to sell success is, is like 50 little chapters, two or three pages each, some maybe up to five, on 50 fundamental things you really need to nail to be excellent at sales. And you don't have to read it all. You can look at the table of contents and say, oh man, oh man, I really am bad at this. And just hone in on that. Nice. It's, it's really an accessible book. And what made me propelled me to write it, if you will, is I kept writing these things anyway in my sales training materials. So I said, hmm, I can take some of that, obviously reword it and do that kind of stuff. And I can, I can get a book. There you go. And this customer service. So I, do, I do a lot of sales training. I also do a lot of customer service training. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies, customer service actually is their sales department. For some companies, inside sales is called customer service. And it's scary because sometimes they're not trained at all in sales. What they, They're trained to be very reactive, but it's not someone only calling up with a problem. It may be someone calling up to place an order or ask a question about a product or service. And then, of course, you would want to take your answer and phrase it as such that it would be attractive and powerful and they want to buy it. So they were fundamental to what I was doing again, each and every day. And I thought they'd be, and they were good things to give out at uh, trade shows and conventions and all those places that I used to speak and, and give out to clients too. So because yeah. I find that with customer service, can, that nowadays, even more than ever, with the technology, that can make or break you in terms I of- I got hung up on today. I called up, I, I waited 45 minutes mm-hmm. because I had tried through email all the so many times and never got a response. And when I phrased my problem to the customer service rep, I know exactly what happened. They said to themselves, oh man, I don't really know how to answer this. I'm not sure what to do. Click. Mm-hmm. What's to say? Yeah. I was annoying, uh, beyond annoying. But the crazy thing with customer service is now, <laughs> with the internet, with social media, people have to be, in b- any business, have to be awfully careful about who they, pardon me, piss off. Because there's actually, for this company, mm-hmm. there is, it's the, and I'm not going to say it, it's right. the company name, hashtag, pissed off customer. They have a whole mm-hmm. website for oh, people wow. who are complaining. Oh, wow. so it's awfully yeah. easy to complain in a very public forum. Yeah. And I feel bad actually, because sometimes people are irrational. Yeah. Sometimes people, restaurants, people take pictures of food and it's a terrible picture and no one would ever want to go after that picture. So hard to control that. And smart companies have people hired to monitor that 
all the time. And you have, and it's become a whole entertain itself. Oh, it's all like, it's your marketing arm because they are your brand at the end of the day, the extension of that, right? Yeah. It's relationship management yeah. and, and reputation management. management. But I'm telling you, I mean, you really need to have people looking for that and staying on top of it. I know you're pinged and all that, but staying right. on top of it, crafting responses and doing whatever you can to appease what's going on and then try to push it down mm. in yeah. social media because, my God. It, it, there's so many things to kind of keep a mind of just as a business and how it's evolved because yep. you, you shared in terms of what you were doing manually and now how things have automated, but it's made it so much easier to have that direct access to your clients and vice versa. Yep. And Pros and cons. like a one-way communication. It's a two-way communication that has to take place and to be mindful of, of, of that interaction. Absolutely. And again, pros and cons. I mean, I love technology. I use it all the time. I, I, I mean, I don't know my, my phone. I'm not someone who's constantly checking at dinner and like ignoring people with me, but I really do have it with me, etc. It's like a life link. It's got all my data, etc. But it has made it more problematic. It has made the access to me as, you know, I love the access to everybody else, but the access to me phone calls on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. There are no sales emergencies. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer going to drag you out of jail. There's no, if you were bad at sales on Sunday, chances are you were bad the week before too. And you could have called me during working hours. You didn't wake up on Sunday morning and say, I suck at sales. I better reach out to Adrian by phone, not email. By, I should call her cell phone. Because I'm so bad at sales today. I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had to put MD in front of your, you know, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> so, so that's, the, I mean, again, the good and the bad. And yeah. I get it. I don't let these things wear me down because there's so many other more important things to wear us Absolutely. down. And you know, what's interesting too, is that in that phrase, you mentioned the multiple revenue streams and how your business kind of falls all together. Can you share a little bit about what, how you created that or what made you come to the idea around that? Because I find that for women, we, we want the multiple streams, but necessarily know how about doing that. And so I'd love to hear what your thought process was around yeah. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about that. I think everyone should have multiple revenue streams. I mean, you just never know when things are going to go south, when things are going to dry up, when your uh, biggest client through nothing you did changes and your six-figure retainer is now like $190, whatever it may be. So what happened was I'm busy doing my work and sales consulting and sales training, and it's a very robust business. And I have clients on retainer, which is definitely a model everybody should seek out because otherwise you're constantly running in place to get your next meal. And while I still have that mentality, I have meals coming in because these people are on retainer. So, but I started getting asked. I'm a writer. So I, I wrote the books and I've always written blogs and newsletters and I, I just like to write. It's my, it's my quiet spot. And people started asking me if I could write for them. Hmm. I went, no, I can't. I don't. And then I went, yes, I can. And so I started words were copywriting. And cause yes, I can was the right answer. Hmm. And in fact, that is a whole separate business. And we write And there are two other people. We write content and newsletters and blogs and social media and websites, anything that needs words. Then 
I realized people, when they were asking me for words, often needed graphic design and they needed mm-hmm. words and pictures. They needed visuals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I have absolutely no creative sensibilities at all. So I brought in someone else and created another company called the three giraffes mm. because giraffes have um, a very big heart. I think the biggest heart of any animal. And because they're so tall, they see out over the horizon. Interesting fact about all this is the three of us are really short. Not really <laughs> short. And they, t- they are too. So we have three giraffes who all together don't equal a giraffe <laughs> at all. Love it. <laughs> and, and that's a integrated marketing company. And then the last revenue stream, which is really maybe the most amazing. I've always been a networker. It's how I grew my business. Mm-hmm from that informal pick up the phone and call someone to going to all these networking groups and networking meetings and on and on and on and on. And in 2008, the economy was dipping and I was networking everywhere. And I was the president of a couple of groups and on the board of a couple of groups. And I was here, there and everywhere running like a lunatic. And then I said, oh, I'm not having any fun anymore. So I'm going to start a networking community. Mm. And it's going to be a fee-based networking community. And it's going to be very different than many slash most of the other things that are out there. And here's how, and here's why. And I put up a website. Actually, the website that's up is still the original site. Today, I am about one week away from having a brand new site up. It was time. It was time. But I created the site. I created this group. The first 40 members were people who would have joined me if I said, let's let's go by dog sled to Antarctica. <laughs> and they because they're they're part Perhaps of my tribe, they're yep. my friends, they're my business contacts who we've always had each other's back. But now we have hundreds of people mm. and they're not all friends, at least yet. And they certainly didn't start as friends. Right. And it is a revenue-based networking community that offers massive functionality huge opportunities for people. And it is also because it's membership-based, it's really a retainer kind of business too. Right. Now I feed back money into the business for all sorts of things and, right. and all that. But so those are the those are the four. It's consulting, it's networking, it's content and uh, marketing and branding. And all four, I believe, are integral to business growth. They are pieces of, you've heard the three-legged stool. Right. Well, I have a four-legged chair. Got it. So do you think then to further multiple revenue streams that they should all align with your core? They don't people who people hire me, there's I is there anyone who uses me for everything? Hmm. I'd have maybe there's one or just few people are using me for everything. I have loads of sales consulting clients that do not use my services for other things. Mm -hmm. I have loads of writing clients that don't use my services for other things. They're very disparate companies. They have their own websites and P&L and all that kind of stuff. Why did you decide to do it as as different entities as opposed to rolling it under? Not that smart. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was curious. I don't know. Just like because... I don't know. I I came up with the copy one. I pulled in the two people. I didn't want to complicate things. The website was that I'm having the Adrian Miller sales training site, adrianmiller.com. I'm having two new sites done at the same time. That's going to be done within days. 
we had we were having some problems with that site and making changes in it were not easy right. because you know, what happens you don't own the site and then the person who did the site disappeared it's like and I'm not technical enough to get into it. I'm not litigious enough to go find a lawyer to deal with it or anything like that. It was easier to just build another site. In retrospect, yeah, it might have been a one mothership site and mm-hmm. different arms, but they but it's it works the way it is. Got it. And just confuses people sometimes on social media because one day I'm posting for something and then the next day, but now, you know, it makes them ask me questions. Who are you? You? Who are you? How many other companies? Oh, and then there's a fifth one, but it's not really a company, but it is a website. I think I mentioned this to you. Paymewhatyouwant.com is a program that I started maybe five or six years ago based on the Panera model of pay me what you want. And I thought that was such a cool idea that I was going to try it for my business. Everyone told me it was going to be a massive failure or I was going to get burned very badly. Neither happened. It was an amazing success and I never got burned, not once. And so I've, and I I only ran it for a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. but remember I'm in total control. It's not like pay me what you want. Everybody who says, Oh, me, 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 me. I have to take everyone. And I was like, not really true. So I ran it for a few months and then I would stop it. And then I ran it again. And so it's when the pandemic hit, interesting phenomena. I rebirthed it, got some people, but you know, this pandemic has made a lot of people very skeptical. We're gunge, there's just so many offers out there. There's yeah. so many free this and free that, like people didn't believe me. And if you go to the site, there's no way you can't believe me. I, I am nothing but like so clear. And, and there's no, there's no artifice at all on it. And I, and when I say pay me what you want, I mean, pay me what you want and do not talk to me about it. Do not start talking about how much is this going to cost? I don't know. Whatever you think it should cost. Uh, how do we, how do I pay you? I don't know. I, I mean, you can't send a check anymore because we don't have mail that seems to get delivered, but you can pay me by PayPal and Venmo and Apple Pay, all well, the electronic versions. And people like are very nervous about that. Once they like, they, they get it that I really mean it. And they're, they're fine. Well, you know what you're pointing to, too, and it's just interesting that you say that, is around the trust factor, right? They'll trust to bring a a stranger and and do whatever, but now you're confronting them because it's something that they want. And they're like, oh my gosh, if I want it, is it true? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it is, it is, I've never seen the skepticism as high as it is now. And I see why. I mean, if you go on social media, if you get you get your emails, there is a million free this program that a dime a dozen. Some people have a tremendous amount of experience and gravitas. Some people I like go, who's that? And I Google, I go, who's that? It's like they're experts in things that I I question that. I question that. And so people get I'm sure I, if they don't know me, I fall into that same category. I have had some, I've had people, I've had a lot of people who know me do it, but I've had people who don't, but less people who don't know me at all. And the people who are all sorts of bent out of shape, like they they respond to the contact form and then I reach back out to set up the time and then they don't reply. And I reach back out and I go, please do me a favor. 
here's my LinkedIn profile. Here's some links right. on Google. Just check me out. Show your street grit. Show me your street grit. <laughs> I am the real deal. And remember, if you think not, you don't have to pay me. You don't even have to stay on the call. You right. can go, you know what? I'm not getting any value. And I'm not, oh, it's fine. I, I've been around for a long time. I'm, I'm not going to go crazy about that. So, but the skepticism and a little bit of the fear and loathing that yeah. we've less with in this year. <laughs> and <laughs> I wonder with why. everything else. <laughs> no rush. Like, what else yeah. is rampant? Got it. So then when you were building the, the, the various multiple revenue streams, I noticed that you mentioned partners and people that you're working with. How did you choose and what was the methodology and approach to bring yeah. people into your into your baby and your world. So Adrian Miller Sales Training doesn't really have any partners, okay. although I bring people in occasionally for different parts of the project. Or if, actually, if I can't do the project at all, I will give it to them and produce the client. And I'll just bring in people I know. That's it's easy. Right. Words or copywriting has two other people, both of whom I've worked with before. I needed people who were based here who I can almost talk shorthand, um, that I do not have to be like a proofreading machine because they get that and all that stuff. And are and we're we're all good writers, but we are good writers and different in different types of different types of writing. Like I websites. The website architecture, I, my brain moves too fast and I'm writing one thing, but then I'm thinking of this other section, like I needed someone who could like slow me down. And, and, and really he does more of that than I do. I'm the queen of anecdotal short form. <laughs> and when I'm feeling scattered, I'll just write my own blog. I mean, I, I have tons of content out there all over the place. Three giraffes. I've written most of the blog posts on the site, most of them. Cause that's my, that, that slows me down and gets me focused and then I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But they've been people I know. I know there've been people who have brought on partners and they didn't know them, but they, and they, but they did such a really good interviewing job and, and really saw the vision and the mission and all that was perfect. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I haven't done that even for Adrian's network, which doesn't have another me. Right. The other person who's very involved is our webmaster, is a friend. And again, I like to talk shorthand. I like the, okay, I know how Adrian thinks, right. I know what she wants, I can right. take it. And, and that saves me a lot of time. The famous, well, it's familiarity as well as knowing how each of the your of your team works, right? Because yes. you have a style and they can, they can adapt to it and work with it. It seems as if then that's kind of like your secret sauce to making it work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are, these are uh, small businesses. There's not, um, you know, when you say small business to like PricewaterhouseCoopers, <laughs> I'm not that small business. <laughs> small isn't that. Um, and for me, the multiple revenue streams, I had it in the back of my mind when I started a the sales training business, but the multiple streams really just turned out to be um, service offerings mm -hmm. under adrianmiller.com. Uh, but the writing, it was, it was something I was very good at. I really enjoyed doing mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. So it became part of, part of, it became a business. 
And so, a lot, that's a lot of my business. Now. Yeah. But what's interesting too, is that in creating all of these streams, because some people say, no, I have to be very focused and get very myopic and, and know my niche. And, and so I'm just curious how you're able, if, what, what are some of the challenges then of having these multiple revenue streams or if you see any challenges to doing to them? Yeah, you work like a dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a hard worker than have a lot of people who work for you. I'm, I'm not, I'm never late with deliverables yeah. and I, I live and die by my, my calendar and time blocking and all that kind yep. of stuff. I got a lot of stuff that has to get done. I really do. But I'm super focused and productive when I sit down to do it. Really focused. Nice. And sometimes it's like, I'll look and it's 9 a.m. And I'll go, oh, wow. I can't believe I have done so much already. And right. some people are just kind of rolling over to their computer. Now, I am not telling anyone they have to wake up super early. I, my idea about time management is, you know your personal biorhythms and when you work best, okay? And I'm not good at midnight having all sorts of creative juices, but I'm kind of cool at 5 a.m. <laughs> and so that's my hour. I don't think you have to start with the hardest stuff because I like to feel successful before I tackle something that's going to cause me a little bit of stress. So I like to whip off the things that are really good at. And I feel like so great. If I had someone here, they'd be patting me on the shoulder and I'm patting myself on the shoulder. I feel so good. I pour an extra cup of coffee. And then I get into the stuff that it's like, ooh, ooh. it's like sometimes it's getting stuff ready for my accountant. And it could be as little as that, but it's like not my favorite thing to do. So I sort of yeah. get borderline hives doing it. So everybody, I think there were some people who, who specialize in time management. They're much more formulaic. Right. And my formula is what really works for you? Mm-hmm. And really works for you. Don't BS yourself. What really works for you. So if you if you stroll over to your computer at 10 in the morning and you knock it out of the park by noon and you're working and it's like maybe you stop at eight o'clock and you have some dinner, but at midnight you have all this stuff going on in your head. Awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that now. Yeah. We can do that now because we are all we're all connected yeah. by technology. We can do it now also because we are learning we don't have to all be in the same office at the same time between traditional business hours. And really what traditional business hours in New York anyway never existed. No, was always the, the people the city that doesn't sleep. <laughs> exactly. Always the people who yeah. came in super early and you will see people in their office, particularly in creative fields, some finance certainly first year associates to law firms who are going to be in their offices one, two, three in the morning. Yeah. So I love the, that's great advice around the time management, time blocking. Do you use colors on your calendar? I'm a big calendar buff. I do sometimes, but I just, I mean, for me, I also, today I said, I wrote a blog, a post about prospecting, sales mm-hmm. prospecting, because sales Sales reps don't like to prospect. They don't like setting appointments. The hardest part of a sale is setting the appointment. Half, In my mind, half the work's been done for you to have that appointment. Someone's already raised their hand. They said, I'll meet with you in person in the old days. I'll set up a Zoom with you now, whatever. They're already leaned in towards you a little bit. And people, I I don't have time to do it. I hate it. Well, I said, well, you have to put it on your calendar. You have to make an appointment to do that. Just like you would make an appointment for this podcast or for anything else that's important to you, because believe me, it's important to you. Because if you're not doing it, you're not going to have enough business. So 
make an appointment, what, whatever time you feel good. Don't start doing it at seven at night because we know nobody's there or no one's answering there. Everybody's phone. That's the other crazy thing too. Phones. Where are you calling? You're probably calling everyone's cell phone. Right. Or the phones have been forwarded from a corporate office yeah. to a And people want the connection that they're picking up. Yes. That's the beauty of right now. They are just so clamoring yeah. for connection and to just to talk to someone. When I started in business, one of the topics in my, I used to do group sales trainings, open sales trainings once a month. I did it for five years. Mm-hmm. It was limited to 20 people. I rented a conference room. I thought I charged a fair amount of money. And one of the topics was how to get through the gatekeeper. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should try to find that handout because yes. it would be like uh, like if you're the, looking uh, at it and see what, what you can tweak to make it relevant for today to see what what are the things that, and I'm sure there's some things that you could tweak also that makes it even more relevant today because we still have the same barriers, but it's a different way of, of, of have electronic barriers. Right. And we have electronic barriers. I talked to a client of mine today. So you know, you call up and Somebody sees they don't know the phone number. They yes, more people pick up, but there's still a fair amount of people yeah. like I don't know you. <laughs> time for this. <laughs> I'm time for this. Awesome. So through your journey as an entrepreneur and working with so many varied clients, what would you say were some of your key takeaways during that process? Persistence, mm. passion, powers of persuasion, and a kick-ass sense of humor. <laughs> I'm pretty passionate person. I I work hard because I'm passionate about what I do. I cannot be a wishy-washy person. And if I'm wishy-washy about something, I probably am not going to do it. And and that's that. It's a program I'm not feeling comfortable with. I'm probably not going to accept it, et cetera. I am outrageously persistent, but mm. I'm persistent in a way that people don't think I'm a stalker. Mm. I'm persistent in a way that adds value to the relationship before there's a relationship. And that's the most important thing anyone in any type of biz dev or sales position should think about. So you have to keep calling, you have to keep emailing until the person realizes you're even alive. And so how do you add value to that relationship? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you make an introduction, a proactive introduction for them. Why? Because you've got a database of all these people. You see people who have synergies, you put them together and it's proactive. And now you're on their radar screen without saying, hi, remember me? You still want to do the project or whatever. You invite them to things. So we all get tons of invitations these days, Zoom this, Zoom that used to be in person. So you go, you go delete, 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 but you don't have to delete. Instead of delete, press forward. And I go, hey, Simone, I'm not able to attend the Zoom, but I know the speaker. They're really fabulous. I don't know if it's on your calendar. If you happen to have a spare hour, why don't you dial in? I did, I did it this morning in something I was absolutely, totally 1000% uninterested in. It's totally not my thing, right. but I sent it out to people and I had five people email me back and say, oh, wow, thanks. I registered for that. Nice. Now I'm in their brain. Yeah, yeah. love it. Or share information. Be, become the, the god or goddess of Google or TED Talks or newsletters. And every day, go into your database and pick five people, prospects, 
dormant accounts, networking contacts, whoever it is, and share a link. Oh, you go on to TED Talks and put in a couple of keywords, you can get speakers the best and the brightest across the world. Google's our friend. Put in some words and they'll still have articles and newsletters and pieces of information. You send it out and you go, hey, just thinking about you. And so I saw I saw this newsletter, thought you might be interested in getting it. Just thinking about you is of no value. Yes. Checking in and touching base are the worst cliches in the world. Yeah. Even, even our family doesn't want us to do that. <laughs> it's boring. But people feel so great when you think about them. Yeah. And, and, you, and that's something unexpected, right? And I think that's what resonates with me. So I love when you said add value to the relationship before there's even a relationship. I yeah, that. I used to send, and I, I still do a little, but I'm I, I, I my mail is very slow. Mm-hmm. And so I like handwritten notes. And mm-hmm. I have personal- I haven't got one in a long time. So please, do you want to send one? <laughs> I love personal notes and I have, well, here's the problem. Some people don't want to give out their home address because yeah. now, the, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to say, oh, send it to 1245 Madison Avenue, <laughs> eighth yeah. floor. Sending it to 123 Lollipop Lane is not what they wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so that has been an issue. But some of the people I do know their personal address anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I still send it out and I have little note cards and I'll just, all right, hey, thinking about you this time, it's really tough. Just want to know anything I can help you with any introductions, blah, 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 whatever it may be. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. So what advice then would you give other women entrepreneurs who are either starting out on their journey, maybe hit the five-year mark, maybe even the 10-year mark? I think for, for women entrepreneurs, I think entrepreneurs in general, but women entrepreneurs especially, I think find your tribe. I think Big companies have boards of advisors, and if you're really big, you have a board of directors who pay to play. But an informal board of advisors that you put together, three, five, ten people who you are comfortable sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I even mean your financials, and and people from different walks of life, different types of businesses, but you admire and respect their expertise, and come together monthly quarterly. Now, unfortunately, it's on Zoom. I did it. I used to like doing it during dinner, mm-hmm. throw a dinner and at a restaurant and get a little yeah. corner and stuff like that. It was really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful way to be able to grow your company because it's, it's lonely. I know we have access to all these newsletters and TED Talks and YouTubes and information, but it can be lonely. It really can be lonely. As busy as you are, a mastermind group is wonderful. Sometimes you can't find one, start one, start one, but make it legit, make it formalized, send out an agenda, set expectations. I was on an informal board of advisors. It was fantastic. And one of the things I stress to people is when you're on the board, you get as much out of it as the person who is that we're all helping because their journey, their questions, their obstacles are things we either are going through still or went through. I love hearing people's other pers- other perspectives. Yes. yes. So find your tribe or or design your tribe. Love it. Remember, you can't do it alone. Right. 
Um, remember that you may have a lawyer, a banker, and a CPA, but if you don't have clients, you have a hobby. <laughs> I don't mean to be harsh. Oh, no. You have a hobby yes. and you don't have a business until somebody is forking over some money and they are a client. Right. And I'm just trying to keep put, throw it all out yeah. on the table. And you can turn your hobby into a business. Okay. Lots of people do. Lots of people made um, have hobbies. I'm not a very creative person, but had this hobby and made it a made it an enormous business, Absolutely. right? I'd like to differ because you talked about you the multiple streams and how they're all in the creative realm. What are you talking about? You're writing, graphic designing. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> you don't see me, and I, my night job is I'm a uh, an accountant. I have to tell you, there's a wonderful woman in Adrian's network. And this is how she introduces herself and talk about multiple streams of income. By day, she's a cancer researcher. By night, she's a real estate investor. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. So yeah. I like that. So I love your wisdom around find your tribe. If you can't find it, design it and get creative. Love it. That's what I did with the networking community. It's like, yeah, you you may have to, if you're an entrepreneur, chances are you're, you know how to build things or you're, you're at least making your way through building things. Find a mentor, find a coach who can help you create the business growth you need to create. Absolutely. But please do not equate marketing with sales. Mm. Do not equate having all these structures in place with having business development chops. I can't stress enough that you need to have clients, ongoing stream of clients. Otherwise, you have a hobby and your well, other stream of income is either called, I'm living off my credit cards. <laughs> I have parents who don't mind forking over some money. I have some partner somewhere. I got an inheritance. I don't know. I never had any of those. Right. Okay. I neither parents, partner who was going to support me because I, it wasn't my style. Right. It just seemed to me I had to make them work. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. You've heard from the business growth architect, get clients, get a pipeline and drop the hobby. <laughs> Definitely drop the hobby. Thank you for joining us on Your Business Greatness. I am your host, Simone Sloan, and love to see you next time.